All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in to Notable Nashville Podcast. Today's guest is an inductee of the Songwriters Hall of Fame and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with an astounding career in a duo by the name of Hall & Oates with over 80 million records sold to date, not to mention his amazing solo career currently supported by the Good Road Band. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. John Oates. John, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, pleasure to be here. Well, how have you been holding up in these unprecedented times, you know, with quarantine and everything? You've been able to to get out and, and do anything? Well, it's been, it's been challenging as, as we all know, um, you know, but something different. I, I think we've tried to make the best of it. Um, you know, we've been in Nashville most of the time. Uh, we had a very unusual kind of, uh, you know, entrance into the, uh, the, the, the sequester and the close down, you know, Daryl and I played Madison square garden on February 28th and it was supposed to be the beginning of our big 40 city tour, which I would have been on right now. Um, and we sold it out and had this amazing show and we thought, wow, what a great way to start a tour. And then the rug got pulled out from under us. Oh man. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, I mean, we've all got our, our personal stories about what's been happening. You know, we've stayed in Nashville most of the time. We've made a couple trips to Colorado. I'm in Colorado right now. And, uh, you know, just trying to make the best, uh, the best of it. It's, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been wild. I, I realized that this is the mo- longest time I've been off work since 1972, since I started being a professional musician. That's crazy. So uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, I woke up one morning after about a month uh, of this, and uh, I said, so this is what retirement's like, huh? I said, I don't think I like it too much. <laughs> <laughs> so you've, you've had a lot of free time to kind of think, and hopefully you've been able to, you know, write some more tunes and everything for your, for your solo stuff. Well, the writing, yeah, the writing is that, that's exactly what I've done. I've really focused on staying at home and writing. I think I've written more songs in the last four months than I've written in the last four years. And I've written, uh, you know, I've gotten, you know, the Good Road Band and the Live from Nashville album is really a, an outgrowth of the Arkansas album that I put out about two years ago. So it's definitely a snapshot of the older music that kind of was the, the beginning and the genesis of American popular music. But now I'm starting to write some more modern stuff, more contemporary things, working with younger artists. So, you know, things go in cycles. Um, but I'm really anxious for people to hear this record because it's got a lot of uh, amazing musicianship on it. Absolutely. Well, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about songwriting. I mean, it's hard to even begin with all of your accomplishment accomplishments in songwriting because you've written, you know, countless hits over the years. How how did you get your start in songwriting? When did you start to pick up a pen and, and, and a guitar and start to write music? Well, you know, I've been playing since I've been six years old. I've been taking, I took vocal lessons. So, you know, I, I was a performer, a child performer. So, that, you know, it comes very naturally to me to, to be part of the, you know, I never really questioned my my destiny, so to speak, you know, without sounding too overblown about it. Uh, I always assumed that I would just be a musician because that's all I ever did. Um, never really had any other job. When I was in seventh grade, um, we had a, uh, a, a, a English, uh, my, in my English class, they asked us to write a poem. It was a poetry class. So I wrote a poem about the, um, the Cuban Missile Crisis which was happening at the time. And um, my English teacher, who knew I played guitar, said, hey, this is really good. You should um, maybe put it to music. And I never had even thought about it. I never thought about doing something like that. And, you know, it was around the time that Bob Dylan was kind of starting out, so like protest songs were kind of becoming popular. Um, and, I, and this, you know, the lyric was kind of a, a, you know, a seventh grade protest song, I guess you'd call it. 
Uh, and so I did. And uh, that was my start. That was the first song I ever wrote. Wow. Incredible. So, John, what's the fastest song you've ever written over the course of your career that just kind of rolled off the tongue? Wow. Um, I wrote one just recently that took about, about an hour, less than an hour. I've written songs in an hour. Um, it's usually the initial inspiration pops out and you get something really solid, and then I'll come back to it. Um, I'm a big fan of rewriting. You know, the old, you know, the old journalism cliche, writing is rewriting. Um, right. I kind of like to, to step away and revisit things and, and rediscover things that, you know, uh, you know, the, the old uh, here again, I'm going to load you up with cliches, but you can't see the forest for the trees. Sometimes when you write something, you think you've got it. And then all of a sudden, either a collaborator or somewhat a more objective ear will hear it and make a suggestion, or you'll be able to become objective uh, yourself by stepping away and coming back. Well, that's really interesting. What about the song that took the longest to craft? Um, you know, maybe a song that you wrote with Daryl or, you know, anybody else that collaborated with you, what, what kind of took the longest? Daryl and I used to write pretty quickly. Um, that, that's never been a problem for us. We always had the kind of mindset was if, if it was a struggle, maybe it wasn't worth it. Uh, we never had a problem with output. So that wasn't, was never really an issue for me, believe it or not, there's songs that I've written, you know, six, seven years ago that I will come back to and I, I will rediscover a way of making it better. You know, so in a sense, rewriting it. So kind of reworking um, it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. Well, I work for iHeartMedia, you know, which is a big player in radio today. So I wanted to know, do you remember your experience of hearing a, a song that you released for the first time on the radio? And uh, what song was it and, and where was it that you heard it? Well, absolutely. Um, when I was uh, in 1967, my high school band, um, we had pulled together enough money to go to Philadelphia and make a record. And we were called the Masters, and we made a record called I Need Your Love. Um, and uh, we cut it uh, at, a, at a very uh, very uh, famous uh, rec- little recording studio um, called Virtue Sound down on Broad Street in Philadelphia. And um, when that record came out, uh, we, got, we got play on Philadelphia, local Philadelphia R&B stations. And I remember I was with my girlfriend, um, and we were we were making out on a country road, believe it or not. Oh wow! Uh, and that that song came on the radio, and I can't really remember what I was doing at the time, but I whatever I was doing, I definitely stopped doing it. And um, <laughs> I remember it was pretty it was a, a life changing experience. That's pretty incredible. I mean, it just randomly came on. You were with your girlfriend on a country road. Uh, yeah. that, that's that's kind of like the scene in the movie or something like that. Yeah, well, uh, I guess, yeah, I never thought of it that way, but I, I, yeah, I guess you're right. That's awesome. Well, I want to talk about the memoir you put out uh, back in 2017. You told some tales of living next to the pioneer of gonzo journalism, Hunter S. Thompson, uh, who was actually your neighbor in Colorado. Um, what was that experience like living next to him? Did you did you have a relationship with him? Yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't say we were super close friends, but we lived uh, next to each other for 20 years. Uh, as a matter of fact... As we speak, if I walked out my front door now, I'd be looking at his house. So wow. um, I'm in Colorado right now. Uh, so we still have the same house. Uh, you know, we're right across the, our lane goes right into his driveway. Um, so yeah, we had some, you know, we had some good experiences. You know, he, he was, um, you know, in addition to being an amazing, you know, legendary journalist, he, um, he was a real Southern gentleman. You know, he's from Kentucky and he definitely liked to be, uh, you know, my take on him was that he really liked the persona of the Hunter S. Thompson, you know, gonzo journalist. 
you know, with a cigarette holder and the motorcycle and a glass of oh, a yeah. glass of booze and you know whatever. Um, it was like a part, really. It was almost like his character, and he he really liked being that character. But I, I you know, my encounters with him, uh, watching football games up at his house and things like that on TV, you know, um, he he could be a, you know a real down to earth you know, nice person if he liked you. Um, I've got a really cool picture of my son when my son was about eight or nine years old signing his cast. Um, oh, wow. And uh, <laughs> did, he, did he keep the cast? Yeah, we've got uh, some other stories that I don't think I can share with you right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I know he's kind of like a, a myth and a legend, um, so I wanted to ask you about that. But um, yeah. So, John, I've got a question from, it's kind of a funny question, from a millennial fan of yours named Spencer. He wanted to know if you've ever heard of the music mashup called Ball and Oats, not Hall and Oats, B with a B, Ball and Oats. Um, have you ever heard of that before? I may have. I've seen a lot of mashups. I'm not sure exactly the one he's talking about. Um, so he is just, it a, visu- a visual thing or just an audio? Just a, no, it's I'm just sorry. audio. It's on SoundCloud. He describes it as like a, a tasteful mashups uh, using hollow notes, hooks, and verses to hip-hop beats. And it, ha- it actually has hundreds of thousands of downloads on SoundCloud. So uh, hopefully they're not making any money. And, and, ball and oats, right? Yeah, ball and oats. And uh, <laughs> okay. I guess they're escaping copyright infringement by not making money off of it, right? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so John, you ha- you have a home here in Nashville. Uh, when d- when did you get to call Nashville home? Well, you know, I've been going to Nashville. You know, in the '90s, Daryl and I weren't working very much, and um, we um, I started going to Nashville to do some songwriting. And uh, in the late '90s, uh, started making some friends. Uh, actually, going quite frequently. And then in the early 2000s, I began to record some solo work there. So um, it wasn't until 2010 when my wife and I decided to finally uh, to move there. We, um, we, I was doing a project, I think it was around 2010, uh, with Mike Henderson called Mississippi Mile. And I realized I was spending more money on rent-a-cars, hotels, and flights than I was on the record itself. <laughs> and I said, something wrong with this picture. So I said, uh, while I was in recording one day, I said to, to my wife, uh, hey, why don't you go out and see if you can find something for an apartment or something? And she found this awesome apartment, and we ended up moving there and using it uh, for a few years. And then we finally bought a house when we realized we were, we were committed to being there. That's so cool. Well, what are your favorite parts about the city uh, of Nashville? Well, uh, so much. Um, you know, we uh, by, by moving there in 2010, you know, we, we kind of moved right at the time when Nashville had, you know, was still a sl- kind of a sleepy southern city. And uh, it was just about to explode. It was right after the big Nashville flood. So things were kind of uh, down. And um, we, mo- we moved into a condo. We got a condo in the Gulch, which wasn't much at the time. And uh, there was hardly anything there. Uh, and we watched it really, uh, you know, explode around us, basically. And, uh, you know, obviously came there for the music initially, but made a lot of good friends um, and really enjoyed watching the, the city um, you know, expand with uh, both, uh, you know, culturally and physically, uh, you know, with people moving from all parts of the country and the world and um, the music business continuing to get, you know, to grow and grow and uh, the amazing recording studios and just, um, and now, you know, with world-class food and uh, entertainment and obviously entertainment, you know, and football and soccer and, you know, and yeah. the, the the Predators, you know, I mean, it's really become a destination city. Uh, it it and, really has. Um, 
you know, so uh, so there's so much to like about Nashville, and and I also like the fact that it's so centrally located. So it's made my touring life a lot easier because it's so much easier to get to places. Oh yeah, for uh, than sure. When I was living in Colorado. For sure, it's definitely skyrocketed over the years. I've been here since 2008, yeah. so I've seen it change as well. But um, yeah. I, I love this city. I love uh, I love living in Nashville. So. Uh, if you could pick a place, what's your favorite takeout place to get uh, food in Nashville? Ah, take out. I noticed you said takeout. <laughs> <laughs> you're, trying to, you're, you're very on point here, time-wise. Exactly. Um, you know, we love Bricktops. It's right near our house. Um, we love going there. It's always very, very uh, we know all the people who run it. Um, I know there's a lot of trendy places, but Bricktops is, a, is, a, uh, is more of a traditional place. It's been there a long time. Um, and uh, we just go there. It's, it's always real, real chill, and uh, the food's always great, and uh, that's pretty much it. Awesome. I think I've only been there maybe once or twice, but they, they definitely have good pizza, and uh, I'll have to check that out again. They've um, got great food. Well, you know, we, we really have not gone anywhere. We, we've been home for four months, and we, we've been, you know, just kind of really embraced cooking at home and uh, being at home and, and doing things like that. There you go. There you go. Well, John, I want to talk about the album that you're about to release. Um, mm-hmm. You released an album back in 2018 with the Good Road Band titled Arkansas. Um, can you tell me a, a little bit about the players in this in this band? Yeah, um, what happened was uh, I wanted to make an album. I actually wasn't didn't really want to make an album. Uh, I just love being in the recording studio, and I have a, a studio that I use in Berry Hill that uh, is uh, just a super great place called Addiction Sound. And the engineer there, David Kalmuski, is amazing. Uh, he's an amazing, talented guy. So he and I bonded and become a really good, have a great working friendship. So I went in there uh, to just do, uh, um, to record some Mississippi John Hurt stuff. Uh, the, the motivation was, I just, uh, you know, I've, I've been a fan and he's one of my heroes and I know all his music, uh, you know, intimately. And I met him, you know, back in the day in the early 60s when he was rediscovered. So I actually own his guitar, the one that he played at Newport in 64, 63. Oh, wow. So, um, I just, there's a lot of personal connection. So I wanted to go in. I said, yeah, maybe I'll make an EP of Mississippi John Hurt stuff, you know? So I recorded a few sides, um, listened to it and said, yeah, you know, I can do it. Sounds pretty good, but why am I really doing it? And then I, I didn't want to abandon the idea. And I thought to myself, you know, these songs are always so associated with the solo guitarist and vocalist, you know, they're, they're never, they're never, they're very seldom heard with accompaniment. And I thought, wonder what these same songs would sound like if I played the exact same thing, but I had a, a band playing it with, you know, with me and, yeah. and, and kind of, you know, uh, reimagining the songs with a band. And so I assembled this very unique, uh, eclectic band. Um, first, first call was my good buddy, Sam Bush, who, you know, needs no introduction. Uh, one of the great mandolin players of all time. And uh, a, a super guy, a guy who welcomed me to Nashville back in the early 2000s. And uh, then uh, the the, uh, the great uh, pedal steel player, Russ Paul, who's very innovative and very unique, uh, plays with Dan Auerbach, among other people. Ah. Um, I also, Guthrie Trapp, who's an amazing electric guitar player who I've been playing with for about 10 years, ever since uh, I saw him play with the Jerry Douglas Band. And uh, Steve Mackey on bass, who you know tours with everybody from Roseanne Cash of the Wallflowers to Peter Frampton. Um, Josh, uh, Josh Daddy Day on drums. Uh, he he's played with um, Sugarland and you know uh, no, you know lots of other people. Very cool. And then uh, I I I pulled in a, a young 
cellist um, named Nathaniel Smith, who who plays in the in the uh, Casey Musgraves band. Oh, okay. And he is an incredible talent. And I thought that the sound of a cello, a mandolin, and a pedal steel, when it was imposed on these old 20s and 30s uh, swing and uh, blues songs, would really be a unique uh, sonic combination, and it was. So we, the first song we recorded was a song called Stacko Lee, which is the, the Mississippi John Hurt version of Stagger Lee. And we recorded the song live in the studio, uh, no overdubs, no nothing. And when the song was done, we, we sat back and listened to it. My engineer said, Johnny, goes, I don't know what this is, but just keep doing it because it's really cool. And uh, that's how the album started. And really up to that point, I didn't even know I was going to make an album. And so uh, that's, that's how the project, the Arkansas project started. And uh, as, as time went on, um, I kind of expanded the concept from Mississippi John Hurt to songs that were contemporary with his early recording career in the late 1920s. Um, songs that might have been on a jukebox in Mississippi or songs that might have been played on the earliest days of radio. And that's how I came up with the, you know, the, the Jimmy Rogers and, uh, you know, and Anytime and um, that's awesome. you know, various other things that were on the album. Uh, so it really became more of a snapshot of the early days of, of American popular music. And from that album, we went on tour for two years and the Good Road Band really developed and gelled in a, in a very special way. And uh, I wanted to capture that experience, and I wanted to capture the, uh, the the fact that we we had two years under our belt of playing live, and bands just always get better when you play live. Absolutely. And um, so, in January 9th, I booked the station in, which is one of the first places where we play together. And I thought it's kind of a full circle moment. Let's go back to the station in. It's such a you know vibey place, and I've always had great shows there. And we recorded it, and the, the 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 recording came out awesome. We did a mix on it, and I said, "Man, we got to put this out." So uh, that's where we are today. And it's called Live in Nashville, coming out in September. Yep. Um, yep. I'm very excited to hear it. Uh, you have uh, a song on YouTube right now, a live song um, that I kind of want to play in a little bit, um, just a track from it. But you can you can sure. go and uh, check that out on John Oates Music YouTube page. Um, but I, I kind of like how you describe the sound of this project too. You said Dixieland dipped in bluegrass and salted with Delta blues. I kind of think that that paints a good picture of the sound. I think. Yeah, it's always hard to describe music, right? <laughs> it I, is. I, but I was actually pretty pretty proud of that quote. I have to say. That's very good. Well, uh, John, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Um, I'm looking forward to the album, and uh, I'll leave you with the Live in Nashville Anytime track that's coming up on in September. Uh, you can grab that, and uh, I want to thank. Richland Group and Wolfson Entertainment for uh, helping set up this interview. And of course, thank you, Mr. Oates, for taking the time. We're looking forward to this new album. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Time, you're feeling blue. 
time to come you feel downhearted That will prove my love for you is true Anytime you're thinking about me That's the time I'll be thinking of you So anytime you say you want me back again That's the time back home to you. Say you want. 